Remember that the making of a good compilation tape has many subtle rules. There's many do's and don'ts. So. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report. There was a gut punch of a heartbreaking news story that broke this week. Uh, Peter and I are incredibly uh, devastated and have so much to say about it. It's probably going to be the only news topic we're talking about this week, probably because any podcast you listen to, that's all they're talking about too. So we're going to break it all down for you and dig in. Uh, but first, let's get introductions out of the way. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. I'm Peter. How's it going? And then Ryan has given me the thumbs up as always. <laughs> so let's talk about some housekeeping things first before we get into this news. Uh, this is really, really good news. Um, building our website, getting these episodes out to the public and actually like making a thing. When you think to yourself, hey, I'm going to do this. There's a lot of legwork. Hey, I got to find a co-host. I need to find someone who knows how to do audio stuff. Let's put a theme song together. Let's build a website. Let's actually get this out. One of the goals was to get the website up. One of the goals was to hit seven episodes. The next goal in my head was we got to get on iTunes. And hey, guess what? We're on iTunes. <laughs> I got the approval letter today. The show is up. Uh, you can go to iTunes. You can subscribe to it. Please give us a five-star review. If you notice the reviews say zero, that's because we haven't, we're, we're a baby podcast on iTunes. We haven't gotten enough reviews to get an average score yet. So... I would love for everyone to just give us five-star reviews, but sure, be honest, <laughs> you know. Uh, any thoughts on that, Peter? Yeah, no? it's, it's awesome. We're, it's like we're official. We're actually somewhere, besides just having our website kind of out in the internet ether, so to speak, we're actually somewhere that right. people can I actually, easily download. What I, what I really like so. about it is it's the thing where you said, hey, I'm going to go make a thing, and now it's out, and people can actually find it. Yes. I don't... I don't know many people in my life that can say, I made a thing and it's like hyper public <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I just, that's gotten me really excited. And when I got the news today and told you guys about it, I just, when I got the email, basically, it was kind of the, it just put a new spring in my step and I was in a good mood all day. So even though we got to talk about some, a tough issue, you know, I still, it still made me excited to sit down and do this today. Exactly. So. Um, so yeah, we're on iTunes, everybody. Um, so please check us out. Top five report podcast. Um, so I've had friends who've listened to the show and I know you have to ask us about, ask me about planned episodes. Yes. Like, are we planning on doing like, for example, I got a text from a friend saying, are you guys planning on doing a scary movie episode? Well, yeah. When we mm -hmm. get closer to Halloween. Yeah. Or, hey, when we get to Christmas, maybe we'll do a Christmas episode. I think or, we actually have multiple scary movie episodes planned. Yeah, if we you have, break it down to slasher movies, yeah, uh, zombie slasher, movies. Slasher, zombie, and, vampire, um, mm -hmm. you know, just scary movie, period. You could do, like, there's a lot of variations of the scary movie category. So, not to say we won't do one off of a Halloween, but we feel like that's kind of a Halloween thing. Same thing with Christmas. Christmas episodes kind of fall under the Christmas category so let's wait till later in the year and do those we have a lot of those planned and we talked about doing some non-list episodes meaning 
you know, let's say someone knows they're going to be on vacation. So we might do something fun for our audience and sit down and do like something that's not top five related and maybe mm-hmm. do like a movie commentary or yeah. sit down and talk about an issue that like, let's say, let's say we had an episode where we were diving really deep into like Lord of the Rings mythos or something like exactly. that, but we wanted to talk more about it. Yeah. We could do an episode and like really dive in and dig deep. So we thought we talked about that stuff too. So stuff like that's coming, and uh, we actually have a couple guests planned. Um, I don't have dates for those, so don't sit there going, ooh, who they have. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, because of the top five list idea, they're kind of planned around our lists a little bit. So we'll be getting to that too. So that's what I got for housekeeping tonight. So let's see. Are you watching anything? And I know that we always ask about watching. Are you <laughs> reading anything? <coughs> Um, I'm actually not reading anything right now, <laughs> but I am watching something. So okay. um, I'm pretty excited. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I'm pretty excited about the uh, new uh, Nun movie that came out. Since you were just talking about horror movies, there's actually. a lot of people excited about the Nun. So I think it looks super frightening. It looks like it's in a really cool setting too, like this ancient monastery in Europe or somewhere. I'm not really sure, but it looks really f- frightening. Um, and that's part of the Conjuring movie series. So I've been trying to catch up on all those and I didn't, at the moment. And I, I heard you say that. We were at a party a yeah. few weeks ago for Labor Day, and I heard you say that, and I thought to myself, I had no idea that this was a part of the Conjuring yeah. thing. So that makes me interested. My issue is that when you take religious stuff and throw it in a horror movie, that's where I get really queasy. <laughs> that's Fair where enough. I start having Fair trouble. Enough. I loved The Exorcist, yeah. the original film, sure. But when you get into some of the other stuff, like The Exorcism of Emily Rose and stuff like that, yeah. that's where my I get really like, ah, I don't know if I can handle this. Yeah, um, I understand. Have I you feel wa- like that just hits a little closer to home. Have you seen any of the Conjuring movies? Or No. Okay, so the movie, it's actually kind of cool. The movies focus on uh, this husband and Ryan wife. Ryan is nodding his head very enthusiastically <laughs> over here, by the, the way. The movies so. uh, focus on like a husband and wife who were real people and all the movies around real uh supernatural disturbances or however you want to put it and they um travel around and just try to help people with demons or evil spirits or something oh, but okay. in reality they were so the ghostbusters only... huh so they're real ghostbusters <laughs> yeah if you want to put it that way <laughs> um but in reality they were like some of the only demonologists if for lack of a better term that were actually recognized by the catholic church that were that weren't clergy so like these are regular lay people helping people out and the church actually recognized them uh james wan who's directing aquaman actually directed the first two conjuring movies and he he produced the annabelle movies too so aquaman looks magical so maybe i'll have to suck it if you watch watch these movies they're shot so well like he knows how to make like he'll take a rural house that a family lives in and the way he shoots it the camera angles he uses just make it look so epic and interesting just like even walking down the hall like just for the way the movies are shot it's awesome um and i mean that's just like getting me excited about aquaman even more um cool and then the other things i just like how the movies actually focus on this demonologist couple and it kind of has that sort of vigilante good versus evil aspect to it while being really frightening as well so oh, yeah right. i'm enjoying well, them maybe i'll have to i still suck it up and deal with it and... <laughs> yeah i still have to see uh annabelle creation i think it's called but otherwise i'm caught up on the rest so all right 
Well, I'm not really watching anything right now. TV hasn't started yet in mm-hmm. terms of like the regular shows coming back. I mean, we still have a month for like some of the a lot of the other shows swing coming out. Like I know Fox is starting to roll out some of their stuff mm-hmm. uh, in a couple weeks here. But um, in terms of reading, I don't want to say I'm reading anything right now. But one of my favorite authors, Matthew Riley, just post just he posted on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. His it was like a cover for. His next book. Um, I kind of stumbled on him as an author uh, a long time ago when I worked at Borders when that was still a store. Uh, One of his early books just kind of appeared and I thought to myself, oh, this is a cool cover. Not that I judged the book by the cover, but I was like, this is a cool looking cover and I ended up flipping over the back of it and read it. I'm like, that actually sounds pretty decent. Yeah. And on my lunch break, I grabbed the book and I started reading and I was like two chapters in by the time the book, by the, my break was over, but I'm like, no, I don't want to go back to work. This is awesome. So I ended up picking up the book, loved it. And then I was like, what else did this guy write? And at the time he didn't have much out because it was only like his, he only had like two books out. So I've been reading every one of his books as they've come out. And it's been a really fun journey. He's probably like, what, maybe 12, 13 books. They're all like absolutely fantastic. They're usually on the action adventure side of things, um, but they're very edgier seats. There's a lot of like I've been reading him long enough to know. I kind of understand his writing style. But what's interesting about it is I never I, I can never see it coming. I never right. see the twist coming or I never see the the big piece of excitement and I'm like, oh, you made a call back to the beginning of the book and I never saw that coming. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, so it's just his uh, his new book coming out. It's called The Three Secret Cities. It's part of a series he's doing. Uh, the series is a – the best way I would describe it is if, if Indiana Jones existed today, that's what this is. Okay. And that's the best way I can describe it. It's absolutely crazy the amount of – the action, the adventure, the amount of research he does into the real life uh, historical aspect of the book. He does a lot of deep digging in terms of like the historical referencing and research, and then he generates this fictional story around it. So, oh, nice. And so, uh, who's the author? His name's Matthew Riley. Okay, nice. Yeah, he's originally from Australia. I know he lives in the States now. I know he lives in L.A., but because he lives in Australia, it's been kind of a chore tracking down his books because sometimes they release in Australia like a year early. Mm. So his next book comes out next month. It's going to be a, everything's going to stop for me to read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's uh, I, I don't know if I'll be able to get the book right away because I don't know if it's releasing in Australia first before here. Oh, nice. So, but yeah, if you get a chance, check out anything he's written. It's all fantastic. Nice. So, um, sounds awesome. Yeah. So let's move on to news because this is probably going to take the entire show until we get to our list. <laughs> For sure. So if you haven't been on the internet at all this week or the past couple days, Warner Brothers dropped, I don't well, how about this? The Hollywood Reporter, I think, broke the news first and then it kind of snowballed from there from Hollywood Reporter to Collider to Warner Brothers finally making a statement to the actor finally making a statement. Henry Cavill, who plays Superman... And the Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Justice League for the DC Expanded Universe has been dropped from the role of Superman. That's how the story goes. That I <laughs> oh this look, okay. This honestly, and this is gonna sound really I feel like this is gonna sound dumb because I'm talking about a fictional character, but this felt almost like the death of a friend. Right. Like, it was a huge gut punch for some reason. And I don't, like, I was, like, devastated when I got the news. And I couldn't (laughs) stop thinking about it. 
you're the bigger you're a bigger yeah. Superman fan than I am. Go ahead. So I I was pretty <laughs> bummed about it when hearing about it. Like I was real. I'm a really big fan of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and uh, I actually haven't told my wife yet that. <laughs> That he is out of the role because I know she's going to be even more upset <laughs> than me about it. But I don't, I don't know what to think because that news was dropped, and then since then there's been a lot of weird, conflicting reports. Have you been following all of that? Yeah. So let's let's back up real quick. Yeah. And so Henry Cavill has been. So Netflix is going to be doing the Witcher television series. Yeah. Now the Witcher series is based on the video game The Witcher. It's a mm-hmm. very very popular game. Um, I have not actually played it, but it's definitely the kind of video game that I normally do play, like the action adventure, sword and sorcery, like dungeon mm-hmm. crawl kind of a role playing thing. So aside from the, like me playing a shooter, that's the kind of game that I would gravitate towards. Yeah. So he's been cast in the lead role of The Witcher. Now. The report, the Hollywood Reporter said, due to scheduling conflicts, Henry Cavill has been dropped from the role of Superman. So mm-hmm. the only thing I can assume is because he's going to be in The Witcher, he won't be playing Superman anymore. The problem I have with that statement is Sophie Turner, who plays Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones, is Jean Grey in the X-Men yeah. series, and she's able to balance her schedule just fine. Game of Thrones is a t- 7 to 10 episode season. I can't see The Witcher being any longer than that. Yeah. And she's able to do the X-Men movies and work around Game of Thrones scheduling. And she's not, I mean, not only X-Men, but she's done other movies. Mm -hmm. So she's made it work. So I don't really, I feel like that's a weird statement to make. Exactly. The next piece of this is that um, they've been, I mean, we talked on like the second episode of our show about the slate of the DCEU. Yeah. And when you look at... When you look at the Marvel films, where DC has just gotten to is Avengers 1. And this would be like Marvel getting to Avengers 1, releasing the movie. It's this giant box office success. And then Robert Downey Jr. saying, I don't want to be Iron Man anymore. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's what it, that's kind of like the only way I can, you know, compare this. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is that for the, like, until this morning, Henry Cavill had not released a statement. Nor did Warner Brothers. It was all, like, the news outlets. So do you have any thoughts on that? Like, did you want to say anything? So, like, yeah, well, do you care if I jump ahead to some of the conflicting reports? You can a little. I actually have a couple quotes so, here. I wrote, okay. I have the statements directly from Warner Brothers, Henry Cavill's response, and his manager's response. Okay. So whenever you're ready, I'll read these out to you verbatim. So... Yeah, go ahead with those because that kind of probably leads up to my thoughts. Okay, on the whole so thing, how so. about this? Warner Brothers releases this finally after all the news outlets are covering this. Warner Brothers releases the statement: while no decisions have been made regarding any upcoming Superman films, we've always had a great respect for and a great relationship with Henry, and uh, that remains unchanged. Unchanged. Right. Um, so vague, basically vagueness. super vague <laughs> that's from Warner Brothers super yeah. vague and the other thing is is look there could be scheduling things he's doing the Witcher movie and here he is he can't like there's a scheduling conflict if that's really the case okay yeah because I heard that you know with the Shazam movie coming out um, with the Shazam movie coming out he was supposed to do a cameo but due to scheduling conflicts he couldn't make the cameo that's not that big of a deal he couldn't make the cameo yeah. to do it in Shazam but is that a reason to like drop him from the role? But when you have no Superman movie planned, 
you know, that if you look at that, you're like, okay, well, there's no Superman movie coming out for a couple years because they're yeah. shifting gears to Supergirl. And they're saying that he's, they need a younger Superman for the Supergirl movie. Like, I don't know if I buy that. Is that was that an actual statement? That yeah. So okay. like, there was, it was one of the news outlets because they're shifting gears and they got to do the Supergirl movie. So because Supergirl's a younger act, character, they need to have younger Superman. Yeah. I don't buy that because Supergirl's going to be a younger character regardless because she was. If you look into the the lore of the comic book, she was trapped in space for X number yeah. of years and didn't age because you age slower in space. So by the time she got to Earth. Superman was already established. Superman was already established and by the time she got there. And if you've seen Man of Steel, there's a full-grown Henry Cavill playing, even in some of the flashbacks, he's playing an older, I don't know, 20-something-year-old right. Clark Kent, before, right. or maybe late-teens Clark Kent in that So I don't, buy, I don't buy the Supergirl mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Supergirl argument. The Shazam cameo, that kind of sucks because I really was looking forward to some yeah. kind of actual connection to the larger story so that okay so that is um shack gonna make a cameo that was kazam (laughs) not shack was in kazam not was it kazam or was that was that is kazam yeah Yeah, okay um shazam superman (laughs) shazam was the one with sinbad in it yeah (laughs) um and that was a genie not a superhero um anyways uh i feel talking about the shazam movie i feel like Henry Cavill, kind of from what I've heard, what I've kind of put together in my mind, um, is that Henry Cavill is supposed to do a cameo in in Shazam. And supposedly some people are assuming that it might be because Warner Brothers didn't want to pay him a large amount of money to do it or enough money. And then him and his agent went back and forth with Warner Brothers wanting more money. And, uh, some people are even assuming that the sources that Hollywood Reporter got their story from was Henry Cavill and his agent, and they were doing a power move by saying, like, oh, oh we'll put this story out here and show Warner Brothers how much Henry Cavill's stu- uh, Superman means to the fans. And, and Warner Brothers' power move was, we don't care what the fans think, and drop the actor? No, yeah. that... Th- I think... What I think might might be the case is that the act that Henry Cavill never left ever and was never dropped. Oh, so but you that, don't think he's dropped at all? I don't know, but I know that the statements from Warner Brothers is very vague. The statements from the statement from his agent right. is very so vague. The way you say that, so Warner Brothers is saying there's no decisions been made regarding an upcoming Superman movie. Yes, but we've always had a great relationship with Henry Cavill, and we respect respect what he does. Is basically what they're saying. And then his agent releases this statement. Be peaceful. The cape is still in his closet. Warner Brothers has been and continues to be our partners as they evolve the DCU. So what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. Like, so the be peaceful by itself, I feel like he's saying, hey, Internet, chill out. <laughs> because yeah. the Internet overreacts to everything. They don't. It's always like. Everything's very brash and it's very like I hate this immediately. Like that's how the internet yeah. responds. Everything is either the best thing or worst thing. That's right. And happened. I've been and as soon as the news broke yesterday morning, I have done nothing but think about it, knowing that we're going to sit down and record the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I've had plenty of time to process <laughs> it. I have not gone to my Twitter and said anything. Or, yeah. You know that. So it's just been like, I don't know. It's just been a mix of emotions the past couple of days. Yeah. So then. 
So his agent releases that. Henry Cavill's response is the weirdest one of all. <laughs> Have you seen his response? Yes, I've seen his response. He released this via Instagram. It's a picture of himself wearing a, it says Krypton lifting team. So yeah. clearly like a workout shirt. And it's got some dumbbells you can kind of see on it. And he's mm-hmm. on a black screen behind him. And the caption reads, today was exciting. Hashtag Superman. And then in the video, he holds up a Superman action figure and then puts it down. Yes. That's it. And I think it's, um, is it Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies? Or what's the song playing in the background? It's one of those classic ballet songs that they use in Looney Tunes all the time. And it just had a really goofy vibe to the whole thing. I don't know what it means at all. Yeah. So that's all very vague. I feel like that's Henry saying like he's still there for the fans, but there's nothing to confirm that. Now... After those three statements came out, I went back and reread the Hollywood Reporter's article. Okay. And when you read that, the whole time the Hollywood Reporter um, is mentioning, a source tells us that Henry Cavill left the DCEU, and a different source says this. Or, yeah, it was a source told them that, and a different source said that they don't have any Superman movies planned for several years. So reading that, I was just like hmm, who are these sources? And I feel like one of our first two episodes, one of our first few episodes, you mentioned the Hollywood Reporter being the high school. No, I feel like it's the high school newspaper of Hollywood. Yes. And I, it's weird for me to say that because we're such a baby podcast. We're basically the pamphlet that someone, <laughs> yeah. we're the pamphlet that someone put on your car and you're just like, what's this? <laughs> but, That's great. And we don't have any sources. We're, this is all speculation. Yeah. All you and I can do is sit and talk and break this down and try and make yeah. sense of it. Where the Hollywood Reporter is going, oh my gosh, Henry Cavill's out of Superman. What does this mean? And yeah. freaking out and putting out an article. Yeah. They're going to have sources. But how reliable are these sources? Who are these sources? We have no clue. And this isn't just the Hollywood Reporter. This is Collider. This is Variety. This is... But I, I feel like Hollywood Reporter is who broke the story. Oh, right. And I mean, from there. I mean, you sent me the link to comicbook.com, and that's probably where I would have seen the article anyway. Mm-hmm. That's where I would have seen everything. So it's a weird mess, but it's not just Henry Cavill <laughs> that this is getting weird about with the DC movies. That's true. Um, ben Affleck has been in the weirdest position for everybody for a while in terms of his role as Batman. Um, So let me jump on this real quick since between the two of us, I'm the big Batman fan in the room. Mm -hmm. So I know that Batman versus Superman was Ben Affleck. We all know Ben Affleck's first appearance as Batman was going to be in Batman versus Superman. And when the news broke that he got cast, there was a lot of negativity on the internet. And I was one of those people that kind of sat back quietly but my honestly my first reaction to the news was is this a joke (laughs) like i didn't believe it like the morning it broke but i thought back quietly and realized to myself okay this is real let's think about this as a batman fan in all seriousness you can put anyone in the suit and make him talk with a growly voice and all but what you're really casting is bruce wayne yeah and when I thought about that, I realized that Ben Affleck would be an amazing Bruce Wayne. You know, they're going to, all the stuff in the suit is usually like fight scenes anyway. And like maybe I'm talking to Gordon. You're not looking at like heavy acting and under the mask. You're looking for the Bruce Wayne side of things. Yeah. And so I was in defense of Affleck from that moment on. And it was like, like maybe a day after the announcement, I was like, no, 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 wait a minute. This is going to be awesome. Affleck's going to be great. And I was, and every time I heard anything negative about Affleck, anytime someone was like, oh, Affleck's going to be Batman. 
I was always defending him. For yeah, for me it was uh, Kevin Smith on one of his podcasts before Batman v Superman came out. He just said like, "Look, guys, he look he's a huge Batman fan. He's a good actor, and he looks just like Batman." <laughs> right. And that was the thing. And then seeing that, and then thinking of like how like Jim Lee, one of the best Batman artists you know who's ever drawn the character, draws Bruce Wayne. He looks just like Ben Affleck. So it's like. Right. It seems like a no-brainer right. when you take away the stigma of his public persona, you know right. what I mean? And when the trailer for the Batman vs. Superman came out and everyone got to see Ben Affleck for the first time in the role, all the talk about Ben Affleck went quiet. Yeah. Everyone was immediately like, oh, that's Batman. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And then when the movie came out, yes, the critics bashed the heck out of that movie and... Rotten Tomatoes destroyed the movie in terms of reviews. Like I said, Rotten Tomatoes is worthless. But I'm going to make enemies with Rotten Tomatoes. However, <laughs> um, when, regardless of that, no one had any complaints for Affleck. Mm-hmm. They had other complaints about the movie, but no one had really any negative things to say about Affleck. He was the one person that kind of walked away from that movie going, he was great. Yeah. And ever since then, his the idea of him being in the role as Batman has been in question. Uh, yeah, we had Justice League coming, so he was kind of contracted for that, and he has the cameo in Suicide Squad. According to what I've been reading about his contract, he has got a, can't, he has to have a cameo in the next Suicide Squad movie. Cool. Mm-hmm. So at least we'll see him one more time as Batman. But the Matt Reeves solo Batman movie that was supposed to have Affleck, it's been... Is Affleck even going to be in the movie? Yeah, it's been he's a producing big question it. Mark. He's producing it, so is he still being in it? No, I, we just don't know. Yeah. Uh, but this brings us to you have you built the DCU EU movies off of the two biggest characters in the DC mythos, yeah. Batman and Superman, and your actors are jettisoning. Yeah, what's going on? And I, I want all these movies to be good, not just DC. DC, Marvel, any independent movies. We have that new Spawn movie coming. I want them all to be good. And I want to support the industry, and my butt's going to be in a seat. I'm going to buy a ticket to every one of them. But I, I, what what happens when you're trying to make this shared universe yeah. cohesive thing? And and because um, I think just because of how I try to look at upcoming movies, and I try to keep the most positive thoughts in mind, I'm kind of just as far as Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. Until there's an official statement from either the actors or Warner Brothers. To me, they're still those characters. So oh, yeah. As, no, until I heard here otherwise, I'm just going to, I guess, keep believing the official source, I guess. Yeah, until they recast Superman and it's someone for sure different. Yeah. And until there's an actual recasting of Batman that's solid. Yes. With all the Batman stuff, it's been this person's meeting with Matt Reeves and this person's meeting with Matt yes. Reeves and this person's meeting. That doesn't say anything to me because I honestly think that they're letting all those stories go and they're quietly going, we've been making this movie for the whole time and here's Ben Affleck, he's <laughs> See, still that, Batman. That would be awesome. You know, And I feel like movies should do that. Let, let the internet think sort of what they want because they're all wrong and I seriously think that's the best way for these to get out from under the trolls of the internet. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the best way. Yeah. So, I don't know. The one, the weird one I heard today, I saw today, was Michael B. Jordan is in talks to play Superman. Like already, like Henry Cavill's been out for like a, like an hour, right? And they're talking to Michael B. Jordan. Here's what I got to say about that: Is Michael B. Jordan's a good actor, 
But every time I hear that there's a role open in any movie, <laughs> yeah. I hear Michael B. Jordan yeah. talks to <laughs> He's the new, like, hotness. Like, everybody wants him in every role, and it's ridiculous. Right. Um, and I don't... And I don't have anything against him as an actor. I just don't understand why his name has to be attached to every movie when an actor drops a role. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it suddenly Michael B. Jordan? There are plenty of actors out there, you know? So... For sure. Um, yeah, I mean... And then, I guess... If I'm going to, even though I said I was think, be, trying to be positive, if I'm going to be a naysayer about any of this at all, one thing that I guess you could use as support that Superman is leaving, or that Henry Cavill's leaving the DCEU, is I guess Warner Brothers had an announcement that they are starting filming on the Flash movie very soon. Right. And when we were talking about the DCEU upcoming slate... There's rumors that the Flash movie is going to be a Flashpoint movie, and if you're unfamiliar, Flashpoint <laughs> reset the DC universe when that happened. Flashpoint's... Okay, so we're going to di- jump down the little uh, DC mythos rabbit hole here real quick. <laughs> so the Flash, Barry Allen, got struck by a bolt of lightning and knocked into some chemicals, and he was given the ability to move fast. And that's how we got the Flash, the fastest man alive. Well, over the course of the comics, he gains speed and gets faster and faster and faster. And somewhere along the way, he has this idea that... But you got to understand that his mother was killed, yes, murdered at a very young age. His dad was convicted of the murder mm-hmm. falsely, apparently. Barry doesn't believe that his dad did it because Barry saw something that night. And no one believes him. So Barry becomes a forensic scientist for the, you know, for the police department and then eventually becomes the Flash. So Barry gets this idea in his head going, oh, I can break the time barrier if I run fast enough. So I'll run fast enough, break the time barrier, go back in time and prevent my mom's death. So he does that and then he wakes up and he's not the Flash anymore. And Wonder Woman and Aquaman are at war with each other. And Bruce Wayne's not Batman anymore because Bruce Wayne is the one that died in the alleyway and his parents survived, meaning his dad became Batman and his mom went crazy because of his son, her son's death and became the Joker, which mm-hmm. that's awesome. <laughs> like if like you want to read, yeah. you want to read something really cool, go read Flashpoint Batman. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. The, um, but so that happened and Superman wasn't even there. Superman was uh, found by the government Superman. instead of the Kents and yes. locked in. He was imprisoned in basically a room where he's constantly exposed to red sun radiation and he can't right. use his powers at all. So, so right. So Flash at that point, um, because of that, he found out who actually killed his mom, which was one of the other villains. And Flash had to go back in time to prevent himself from preventing his mom's murder so his mom could actually be murdered. Then he could go back to the present and fix the timeline. Yeah. But he didn't fully fix the timeline. Things were different when he got back. So everyone's thinking that the Flashpoint movie will be a DC Universe film reset. So yes. you'll watch all the DC movies and then you'll watch Flashpoint and then everything will be different after Flashpoint. And according to... Which is actually, if that's what happens, amazing. It'd be cool. It'd be fun. It, according to a... Uh... From as far as I know, Warner Brothers official report, the Flash movie is going to begin filming early 2019. So that's the only. Even though I'm trying to stay positive, I'm like, I want to believe Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck are still in the DCEU because they're 
shooting the Flash movie sooner than we all expected, I worry that maybe they're doing it to reboot a lot and recast some of these right. roles. So Right. And I worry that too. But mm-hmm. it, it, this is a time will tell kind of yes. a thing. With, and... with that being said, I will say TMZ, which I don't know if that's a more reliable source than the Hollywood <laughs> Reporter, has came out and said that the Hollywood Reporter's story about Cavill being... Uh, X'd out of the Superman role is fake. They've just flat out said interesting. That it's fake, so. <laughs> interesting. So TMZ doesn't believe it. Yeah. At this point, I just don't know what to did believe. Did you ever see them? I know Ryan watched it, but did you ever see the movie Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping? <laughs> no, it's, I've never heard those words mentioned <laughs> in that sequence. It's in basically, my life. <laughs> you know, you know, Lonely Island. Oh yeah. Okay. Their so movie? the band Lonely yeah. Island. It's apparently they have an actual Lonely Island movie coming, but. This was a Lonely Island film. Okay. So Andy Samberg plays a pop star. I think I have heard, heard of and it's this, like a mockumentary of a. It's it's kind of like a documentary sort of thing about him being coming back <laughs> like a pop star who hit the top and then he had the downward spiral and he's making his comeback. Right. And they do they have a fake TMZ in the movie and it's one of the funniest pieces because <laughs> they kept they keep cutting every time there's a big news story about the person they mm. cut back and they show the tmz episode, the fake tmz <laughs> episode and will arnett's like one of the guys and like it's it's fantastic but you know what we're going to be following the superman story as more developments get we're just kind of in a bummed out mood peter and i are both sitting in yeah. here with our superman shirts on like mourning the <laughs> loss if it's true we're just holding on hope that that's not the case so, certainly um However, we're uh, not like we're moving long on time, but let's move on to the list and talk about some more happier things. Sounds great. Okay, so this list uh, was my pick. It is a year, and the reason we uh, picked the year is because we established early on in the show that we have rules for certain things. A regular list, if we did, so we did Marvel villains, there was no ranking order. It mm-hmm. was just, these are my five favorite Marvel villains, and we go from there. When we do a year, I wanted to treat it as like a ranked thing. So we're actually going to be ranking this is your number five pick, your number four pick, and so on, all the way up to our absolute favorites of the year. Yeah. So that's how this is going to work. So we're going to hop in the Wayback Machine. It's too bad we don't have a fun sound effect for these. But we're going to hop in the Wayback Machine or your DeLorean or whatever time machine you want to use, and we're going to go back to the year 2003, and we're going to discuss our favorite 2003 movies. Now, last week when we talked about this, and I said I couldn't think of a movie that released in 2003. <laughs> Let me just say, holy cow, was I yes. shocked when I Googled the list of movies for 2003. Because I saw, in 2003, of the movies released, 52 of the movies. Now, I can only vouch tonight for movies that I've you watched. You saw one every week, essentially? That's the thing. Like, I had to have been in the movie theater once a week and watched 52 <laughs> movies. a good year. And I was shocked when I realized what came out. So, when we do a year list, one of the things I will say is I will always let everyone know what the best picture was that year. And the best picture in 2003 was Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. I thought it was Chicago. No. I could look it up right now if you want to entertain the people. I swore I looked it up and it was Chicago. Because I thought the two, the two Towers came out in 2003. No, it's I'll look it up. You entertain the people while I do a quick look up. <sighs> okay. Um, Talk about yeah. whatever you want. Ryan, Let me do what do you have for lunch today? PBJ? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I had uh, ramen noodles. I ate a lot of those because I'm lazy. So <laughs> it's, it's good in a pinch so. and cheap. You guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2003. 
Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Chicago is 2002. So now I'm yeah. worried that... That you looked at the whole wrong list. I am very worried that I looked at the complete wrong year. Well, let me ask you this. When you were looking at the year, was Spider-Man on the list? No. Okay, because Spider-Man didn't okay. come out in I saw. I googled it, like 2003 Best Picture, and I was given Chicago. So hopefully my whole list isn't a failure. Was that on your list? On your Yeah, that was on the search. Okay, then you looked at the right year. Okay. <laughs> I just looked up the Best Picture because I thought it'd be fun for the audience to go, what year was that again? Oh, and... man. Return of the... That completely changes my list. Well, you have a minute to look. <laughs> no, I can't change it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, you have a minute to do something because we got to cover the um, honorable mentions <sighs> okay. first. So okay. does Lord of the Rings affect your honorable mentions? No. Does the movie you're obviously suddenly changing affect your Lord mentions, honorable mentions? Um, no, I'll just keep it. All right. That's a bummer, though. I, I'm really bummed out about this whole situation right now, but that's fine. <laughs> All right, so on our first year list, everybody, we might find out that Peter looked at the wrong year. And, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, all right. Well, okay. let's see how this plays out. So give me one of your honorable mentions. Um, well, actually, Ryan, by the way, said he has a list. So I'm really interested to see what <laughs> That's great. Okay, but, so um, before my honorable mentions, I did want to mention one thing. Sure. Um, our brother, Scott, um, would actually be very disappointed if we didn't mention Honey at all. And the oh. movie Honey, starring Jessica right. Alba, so, came yes, out in 2003. Yes. Then, yes, you did look at the right <laughs> list. Okay. <laughs> so, Honey is Scott's favorite movie. Of all he just, time. He just loves it. And I know he'd be very upset if we didn't <laughs> mention it. So, I just want to say, Scott, that's your shout-out to Honey. So did it make your honorable mention or no? No, that's just his honorable mention. I'm I've never honor. heard. I've never heard that he likes that movie. I just ask him about it. He'll talk. Talk your ear off about Great. it. And um, I will be asking his. Ear, I will be asking him about it. This is funny. Um, okay, so my next, my first honorable mention would be uh, uh, Honey made my short list. By the way, interesting. Just I've saying. never seen it the whole just way through. So. Fine. Go ahead. Uh, my first honorable mention would be Ang Lee's The Hulk, or I guess Hulk is just what it would be called. Um, when this came out, uh, Daredevil came out around the same time, and uh, what most people told me is Hulk sucks, Daredevil's awesome. Just repeatedly, Hulk isn't good, <laughs> Daredevil's awesome. Eventually, I saw Daredevil. I and feel like I, it's the other way around. <laughs> so that's the thing. I saw Daredevil, wasn't thoroughly imp impressed. But then when I saw Hulk, I was actually pretty into it. I was like, okay, there's a lot of character development in this. It's uh, it's not perfect, but there's actually some pretty cool things they did. Uh, Ang Lee, I think his direction was very interesting with this movie because it's one of the f few movies I've seen where he actually tries to make the movie look like a comic book, literally. It, literally. it, it very the, literally um, looked like a comic the book. Tran the transitions from scene to scene... Um, or like comic book panels. Exactly. Exactly. Or there, yeah, there was even panel work on the screen at certain points. He did a lot of very interesting stuff. I think some of the CGI maybe not being a, to the point that people wanted it to be is maybe why it gets a bad rap. But I think it's a bit underrated personally. So. So my and that's that's a cool pick. I th that movie does get a lot of bad um, opinions mm -hmm. floated towards it, but. One of the things I really liked about Ang Lee's Hulk is they covered the origin really, really well. Like, they covered the Gamma Ray accident really well. They covered his relationship with Betty Ross really well. By the way, if you've seen The Incredible Hulk that Marvel later did, yeah. I prefer Jennifer Conley over um, uh, Liv Tyler much better. Okay, um, yeah. 
General Ross. General Ross, it doesn't matter which version of General Ross you go mm-hmm. with. I just liked Jennifer Connelly over Liv Tyler. Yeah. Um, and yet, I thought the Ang Lee Hulk all the way up to the last 10 minutes was awesome. Okay. It's the enough. last 10 minutes that really kill it for me because it <laughs> tried to do the Absorbing Man and it was just weird. It was just weird. It was a weird <laughs> ending. Um, one thing I do want to mention from the movie, though, because you were mentioning the like the Edward Norton version and the other the current Mark Ruffalo version in the Marvel movies. This version of the Hulk, I still feel like showed off his powers a lot more than they have in Marvel. Like they've shown how the more angry he gets, literally the bigger the he physically grows. bigger he gets, and it shows how like when he was in the middle of the movie, he fights a bunch of crazy Hulk dogs, and he like one of them one of the dogs bites on his shoulder, and he forces his shoulder muscles to grow larger to snap the dog's neck. It just shows like more of what the Hulk can do. I feel how he can just jump miles at a time, and I just feel like. Even though I do like the other iterations of the Hulk, I feel like this one really showed off his powers more than any of the others. Sure. So. Um, cool. Anything else on the Hulk? That's about it. Okay. Ryan, do you want to share your one honorable mention with us? I'd like to nod my cap to <coughs> old school. Old school. <laughs> nice. Old school. Um, that's a great movie just for the Vince Vaughn stuff. Like, I became a fan of Vince Vaughn back in Swingers, so it didn't matter to me what the rest of it was. But Vince Vaughn, Jeremy Piven, like... Yeah. Any thoughts on old school, or...? Um, it's one of... It's really good. I enjoy it every time I watch it, and it's one of those movies that... Just there's so many quotable lines from it, and just, like, you yell, you're in a crowded place, and you yell, you're my boy, Blue, or something, you're guaranteed to get a laugh. So <laughs> I think it's definitely a good pick, so... Right. Well, uh, my what my first honorable mention is Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Yep. Okay. It did not make my list of five. <laughs> now I I feel like that's a controversial topic to say that the best picture doesn't make your list, but um, and I'm not against the Academy on that one. I think that the uh, the movie did definitely deserved it, but I think the Academy felt that the Lord of the Rings series deserved best picture for all three films. Yeah. But. Because they knew before the first movie came out that it was a trilogy, it was more of a, let's wait till they're done. Exactly. When they saw how good the first one was, they're mm-hmm. like, let's wait till they're done before we give them a best picture. The only reason this movie doesn't make my top five list is because of the Lord of the Rings movies, I felt that The Two Towers was better. Interesting. I liked okay. The Two Towers much more than I liked Return of the King. So, but I have to acknowledge how good of a movie this is because my opinion on the, like, so when you get to the actual movies and we get, I'm not just saying these are my favorite movies because of rewatchability or my favorite movies because I have a sentimental attachment. This is also comes down to, these are such well-made movies. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, if that makes any sense to you, I just, I don't want, like, yes, there's bias opinion, but wow, some of these movies, like, I just thought were so good. Yeah, it's hard to not... Uh, acknowledge the Lord, any of the Lord of the Rings right, movies right. for just being amazing adaptations. Um, Return of the King is probably my favorite of the series because me and you might have different opinions because you actually read the books before the movies came out, but not knowing, I went in ignorant and didn't know how the movie was going to end, and that last uh i think the i think the 10 endings the movie had is what see, really kind of burns me out a little bit that, when i watch that that one. i wasn't a huge fan of and i actually feel like i feel like that's the people one argue about which ending they should have ended i feel on. like that's the one joke of the lord of the rings movies is the <laughs> 10 endings at the end of the third yeah. one <laughs> so. um 
Yeah, I feel like that. It, that that's like the argument of which ending should they have ended on. But I think the uh, build up to Frodo actually tossing the ring into Mount Doom, and I think it was. I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened. Was like Gollum fell in. There was a bit and of the a ring, fight, and eventually and the ring fell yeah. into his hand, and then that just that whole sequence was the one of the most suspenseful things I've still even watched to this day. Like, I was on the edge of my seat, but like I said, I didn't know what was coming. So I love that movie. I just think it's I great. was super sick when I went and saw Return of the King. Like, I mean, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen it now, rewatched it. It's a great movie, but like yeah. when I saw it in the theater, I was, like, pushing a fever, and I'm like, I got to stick it through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to be able to talk to people tomorrow. Um, so I hope I didn't get anyone sick in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, next honorable mention. Oh, yeah, so my next honorable mention will be uh, School of Rock. Cool. Um, I have a feeling that the three of us have, compared to my list, I have a feeling I matched at least one with Ryan, but and maybe one with you, but the rest of it is going to be like, where do you pull these movies from? <laughs> but <laughs> go fair. ahead. So School of Rock, I just think it's a really charming, super fun movie. Um, I think Jack Pl- Jack Black just knocks it out of the park with this character. He just, like... Even though I think Jack Black's worthy of very higher roles than this, I think this is a role he was, like, born to play in a way. Right. Even though, like, I loved Jack Black and Peter Jackson's King Kong, but this movie's, like, maybe lower on the scale of good <laughs> sure. movies necessarily, but he just is so good in it. Um, and I feel like some of the best parts were just improvised by him in the movie. Like, they're just like, screw around with the guitar and let's see what happens or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, all the kids in the movie, for the most part, had really good performances. And it's just a good, feel-good, really funny movie. So Right. Uh, well, Ryan, that was it for your honorable mention. Just old school, right? Well, actually, how about The Room? Oh, The Room. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I, I not like, to be confused with Room with Brie yes. Larson. This is the Room by Tommy Wiseau mm-hmm. that was eventually made into the Disaster Artist last year. So I have a bit of a uh, movie nerd confession. I've never seen the Room the whole way through. Like I've been to parties and seen like scenes at a time. I'm not gonna before, lie, but... I don't know if many of us have seen the Room <laughs> all the way through. But it is it is like really bad in the best way possible, and I think it's a good pick for sure. I didn't hear of it until the Disaster Artist, so I'm not that deep. Oh, really? Right. Nice. Um, well, yeah, I don't have a lot to say on The Room, because like you, I haven't <laughs> seen the whole thing all yeah. the way through, but I did see The Disaster Artist, and it made me go, wow, I really need to watch The Room <laughs> again. I feel like that's a... Oh, okay. I was going to say that's a like, weird one I saw Because I saw it back in the day. It was a weird one, but I saw it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it was kind of like you, where it was kind of like a in passing, someone had it on. I was watching <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. I'm like, what is going on in this? Mm-hmm. We so. watched it relatively soon after we watched the Disaster Artist, so it was cool. <laughs> oh, that's actually kind of a cool way to do it is go back watch that as a double feature. So nice. All right, nice. So um, Ryan, we'll start with you since you're the soft spoken of the three of us. Um, <laughs> what's your number five pick for the night? Kill Bill. Volume Kill one. Bill. Nice. Kill Bill is, so I'm one of those guys, I'm kind of a Kill Bill uh, uh, snob because I don't agree that they're two movies. Kill Bill was one movie that that released two parts like three months from each other. So, you know, you watched Kill Bill 1 and you're like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. And then you went to the theater a couple months later and watched the second part. But in all (laughs) seriousness, if we were doing a Tarantino (laughs) list and Kill Bill made my list, it would be Kill Bill. 
period, because there's it's one movie. Yeah. So um, that's why I say that. But Kill Bill is probably my all-time favorite Tarantino movie. It's real hard for me to pick Kill Bill over Reservoir Dogs because I love Reservoir Dogs so much, but there's just something about Kill Bill that, you know, adds to that. So I think so. That's like, I think Kill Bill's my favorite Tarantino movie as well. Um, I think the time that it came out, like I was like a junior or senior in high school or something, and it was just right at that perfect time that I really wanted to see something crazy and experimental like it. And like, it just, there's, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm, exactly. It's, there, it's, there's stuff like it, but not in the same no, way, No, it's I guess. so original. It's yeah. so, like, fresh. It's so violent and funny, and it makes you feel good about yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and it's, um, it's kind of the... I always see those movies, I love how it's, like... So, like, Ready Player One draws from pop culture and gives you, like, o- o- obvious references... Kill Bill, like, kind of does that in a weird way. Like, in the second movie when she crawls out of her grave and you're like, well, that shot kind of looked like a zombie movie, but it's not at all. But it's, like, this really subtle, weird right. showcase of pop culture in a weird right. way, which now, I love. With the, I went and saw Kill Bill with a bunch of friends. Yeah. And the girl I was dating at the time had to work and she didn't, she couldn't go. But she told me, she <laughs> oh, goes, don't man. worry, just go watch the movie and enjoy your night with your right. friends. We'll watch it later. Finally, it releases for home uh, viewing, and we sat down and watched it, and she looked at me when the movie was over, and she goes, you really liked that movie? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what she didn't like, but by the Mm -hmm. time her and I had watched the movie, that was like my fifth viewing. Yeah. So, you know, Kill Bill, I I just love that movie. It's so amazing. Mm -hmm. It's also a great soundtrack, and... um... I just can't stress enough. Both soundtracks are great. Yeah, and I love the weird like filters they use and just how kind of experimental it is. I love uh, Oren Ishii's backstory, how it was told, like kind In, of. A, it was basically that was anime. Yeah, exactly, and uh, that animation style really reminds me of uh, the kid story short from the Animatrix. If you guys oh, remember yeah, that yeah. one, and that's like my favorite, that's like one of my favorite styles, like the really scratchy sort of like realistic action sort of right. animation. Well, so. Kill Bill could come back up in conversation between the other rest <laughs> of this list. So, Peter, what do you got for your number five? My number five pick is Return of the King. Oh, right. <laughs> um, I can also mention that it knocked Big Fish off the list. So, wow, it's kind of sad, but. Um, I had to sacrifice somebody off the perfect list that I spent all the time <laughs> compiling. Off the so, perfect list. Well, now that we're this deep into our discussion, yes. you did look at the right list. You looked at the wrong best <laughs> picture. <laughs> I still can't believe that, but that's all right. <laughs> that's really funny. It's okay. We'll fix it in post. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I know Ryan's not going to go and edit no, I know that, that stuff I'm, out, I'm which totally is really cool funny. Um, so yeah, we could gush about Lord of the Rings again, but you know, let's keep this rolling. So my fifth, my number five for the year is a movie called Basic. Okay. Has anyone here seen the movie Basic? Ryan shaking his I've head. I've seen it on a shelf okay. in Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't watched it though. So I'll do quick rundown of Basic. So Samuel L. Jackson is like a Lieutenant Colonel uh, Army Rangers, and he's taking out a group of guys into the jungle for a training exercise. The movie opens like this is crazy, like hurricane storm or whatever, and they're bringing the rescue choppers in to get him out. And you see one guy carrying another guy over his shoulder, shooting at someone else in the jungle. And then you see another soldier shooting back at him. And then the one guy dies, and everyone's like, What's going on? <laughs> when they get the, those are the only two guys that came out. 
So what happened to Samuel Jackson? What happened to the rest of the team? Oh, right? crazy. So they get the one guy who was on his shoulder had to be rushed to the hospital. So he's in the military hospital under guard. The other guy's taken to interrogation room, and he's not talking. He said he won't talk to anyone but a fellow Army Ranger. So the general on the base calls up his friend, John Travolta, who is a former Army Ranger who is currently working as an interrogation specialist for the military. Mm -hmm. So he's like, just come in. Don't tell him you're here to interrogate him, but he only talked to an Army Ranger. Just help me get something before the authorities actually show up to take him away. So John Travolta comes in, gets the kid to start talking, and then the mystery explodes. Bands. It just gets bigger awesome. and bigger. And then the kid in the hospital wakes up and he's like, well, hold on. We'll come back to you. They go talk to the kid in the hospital and you get a hundred percent different story. So who's telling the truth? And then as details release, it is such a mystery of a ride, but it's shot really cool. And you're just captivated from beginning all the way to the end of the movie. Right. And when you like, and the whole movie. So every time they tell the story, you're getting these flashback sequences of things that happened on the base prior to the mission, things that happened out in the jungle during the mission. It's yeah, that's it's, awesome. It's a really really cool movie. I can't speak highly enough of. I can't mm-hmm. I can't give this movie enough praise, but it sounds like the kind of movie that like I haven't watched it, so I like it. It's not one that I would just go randomly pick, but it's one of those movies that I feel like if I watched, I would just become obsessed with and be like, this is totally up my alley. I just. It's like one of the best kept secrets sort of things. Right, I guess. it's a really really good movie. I highly recommend it. Nice. It was on. Um, I was, it was on HBO or Showtime, and I was flipping channels, and I stopped and I'm like, "Ooh, basics on!" And I just stopped and watched, and I was completely captivated. Nice. So, yeah. All right. So number four, I realized I never talked about my last honorable mention. Do you want me to go back and do that? Oh yeah, sure. Do it really okay. quick. Okay. So I, I don't know why we skipped it, but real quick, my final honorable mention is a movie called Confidence. Did you guys you guys know what that is? No. no. You guys are both shaking your head. Like I said, my <laughs> list of movies is completely going to be weird. Yeah. Confidence is it's a con man movie a la like a Ocean's Eleven okay. kind of a con man movie. Um, it's written by Edward Burns. So it's Edward Burns. If you know him, he did uh, Brothers McMullen and um, She's the One. Um, he does a lot of independent work. So this okay. movie is shot like an independent movie, feels like a studio movie. Edward Burns, Dustin Hoffman's in it, Rachel Weisz, Paul Giamatti. Really good, really, really good movie. But it's a very, like, the way the story, and I don't want to use the word twist, but the way the story turns in on itself, because, like, it'll twist one way and it'll twist back the way you thought you were thinking. Like, it's weird how they, like, roped the script together. But it's such a ride to the end, and it's very, like... It's, it's always the who's screwing who in a con man movie. Oh, yeah. But it's also, like, how they end up when you get to the end and you're like, well, how'd that guy end up on top? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, that it's, cool. you don't really see is the movie Is it completely serious the whole time or is it more yeah. like, okay, you it's, said Ocean's Eleven. I didn't know if it had a bit of a comedy. There is some it. funny stuff that happens in the movie, but yeah. it's not meant to be that okay. way. It's meant to be serious. Okay. So nice. it's it's really good. I highly recommend that one. So it that just, sounds cool too. Yeah. So sorry I skipped my honor, last honorable mention for some reason. <laughs> but All right, Ryan, so what's your number four? Cold Mountain. Oh, yeah, Cold Mountain. Um, did you see that? I don't think I've ever seen this one. Yeah, I actually thought this movie was going to be very... I thought it was going to be a best, like, a Oscar contender. I don't remember if it was, but, um, yeah, I, I haven't seen Cold Mountain in a really long time. I just remember really enjoying it. I really like history, like, Civil War period history movies for some mm-hmm. reason, like Gettysburg and Glory and yeah. you know, uh, Lincoln. So, yeah. 
Nice. Is it like one of those things where when you're watching it, you just feel like you're there, you can feel their struggle or like... Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, I'm kind of not surprised that this movie made Ryan's list just because when him and I talk about movies, I feel like he likes movies that have lots of nature-heavy stuff to it. Okay, so. nice. <laughs> That's a good point. It is. Okay, yeah. nice. So yeah, it's very it's very nature-heavy out, out there kind of thing. So uh, cool. what do you got for your number four? My number four pick is Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Right. Okay, so um, it's hard to say much about this movie. It's so well-known and so well-loved, but... This was the first of the Pirates movies, and I feel like this movie kind of took the world by storm when it came out. Like, everybody saw it. Most people I know love it. Um, it was just kind of like you go to a friend's house. It's like, what movie are you guys watching? Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean, of course. But it's such a good movie. The characters are so great. The soundtrack is amazing. Um, and it's just one of those things, like... It's really good swashbuckling adventure. Right. Um, um, in the world of Disney making swashbuckling adventures, uh, this movie, like, I would, I loved Three Musketeers. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, with Keeper Sutherland and Charlie Sheen and Oliver Platt, that Three Musketeers. And that was just great swashbuckling adventure. Yeah. And then Disney, like, turned it up to 11. <laughs> yeah and put out pirates exactly it was such an incredible movie it was such a roller coaster there's never a moment in, your mo in the movie where you're just like you're you don't find like the pacing is perfect yes you know what i mean like i mean we could gush over johnny depp's performance all we want but there's nothing we can say that no one else has already said it's just exactly. amazing but the story as a whole and if you look at the Pirates series on a whole i feel like pirates one is the most uh, solid of the yeah, films, I would and agree it's the too. most exciting. Like mm -hmm. once we get away from the skeleton bad guys, like I didn't feel later that the villains were nearly of the caliber of the first film. Exactly. So, you know, it's I feel like it really stands on its own, mm -hmm. and you know I liked the other ones, but I feel like it kind of stands on its own, and yeah, yeah, so. exactly. So yeah, all right, pirates. Um, so my number four pick is phone booth. Nice. Did we see Phone Booth? I've never seen it. I've heard oh, about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think in 2003 I was just watching different movies. No, I movie. hear you. So Phone Booth, if you don't know, is... So Colin Farrell plays like this uh, publicist for like, let's say, The Hollywood Reporter or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he helps actors find work, that kind of thing. And he is having this emotional affair with the girl who he's trying to help get work. Like, I don't want to... Like, it's not an affair because he hasn't done anything. It's okay. really just talking to her on the phone because right. he met her through his work. And then... So he... To hide it from his wife, he stops at this phone booth every day at the same time, takes off his wedding ring and calls her and has a conversation. Like mm -hmm. I said, it's an emotional affair. It's not... Right. It's not any more than just talking. And... While he's in the phone booth... So this is the opening of the movie. He gets into the phone booth. He makes the phone call. And then as he gets off the phone, the phone rings, and he answers it, and it's a guy, like, kind of threatening his life on the phone, and he's like, whatever, wacko, and he tries hanging up the phone, and the guy's like, no, you're not hanging up the phone, and then suddenly there's a gunshot that, like, I think, I think it's a gunshot that hits the window of the phone booth, and he realizes that he's being watched by a sniper. So he is in the phone booth for the entire movie, police are Dang. coming, like he tries sending the guy, he tries sending him a pizza, 
And then he doesn't... So Colin Farrell thinks that the pizza guy is the actual sniper because he kind of gave the pizza guy a blow-off. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's a really, like, intense movie. And this is the movie that made my opinion of Joel Schumacher as a director turn around. Yeah. I mean, Joel Schumacher's done definitely some good movies. Like, I mean, he did The Lost Boys, which I really like a lot. Um, I mean, we all know that he is most, unfortunately, well-known for putting (laughs) nipples on the Batman suit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. um, And Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, he kind of destroyed the Batman franchise for a time. But... (laughs) For sure, yeah. um, I totally end up forgiving Joel Schumacher because of... Uh, this movie, this nice. movie, it was such a ride. It's such, it's so fantastic. And I, again, I can't give it enough praise. The first time I saw it, I was just captivated. And then you just don't think about who the villain is. You don't think about who the sniper is on, right away for the longest mm-hmm. time. You recognize the voice for some reason. You don't think about it. And then when you finally get to see the sniper, <laughs> nice. You're just like, oh yeah. Is it, I, it's like a seven level reveal, like sort of, sort of. But the the problem is, is when I was watching the movie for the first time, I'm like, oh, I should have seen that coming. Yeah. If you look at the cast list for the movie and then oh, you watch the yeah. movie, you're gonna go, oh yeah, he's clearly the sniper because you recognize <laughs> the voice. But, okay. Um, I probably won't. I always wanted to see this movie. It's just but, I never uh, had the opportunity. Forrest, Forrest Whitaker so. plays the uh, lead detective or lead homicide guy or whatever yeah. that shows up to try and talk him out of the booth because they think he's causing the problem. They don't know until like about halfway through when Forrest Whitaker realizes that he's being watched by a sniper and that's why all this crazy stuff is happening. Yeah. Because he, like Colin Farrell's like screaming out, you know, his, you know, he, the, the sniper makes him confess the affair and he confessed like all this stuff and mm-hmm. break down. It's like a kind of a deconstruction of a person. Okay. Um, very malicious thing to do on a psychological level. So, yeah, I really like Funko. Nice. It was awesome. So Awesome. Um, so we are on to number three. What do you got, Ryan? Lost in Translation. Yeah, what did he say at the end? Did you ever see that movie? Um, I've seen parts. This is another one <laughs> like a lot of parts <laughs> of in passing. I'm, I feel so horrible. <laughs> I'm missing all this stuff this week. but uh, Yeah, so Bill Murray is in... It's, Japan, I think. Yeah, and he's kind of midlife crisis and befriends a young girl, played by Scarlett Johansson, and they go on a little adventure through Japan. And mm-hmm. the big question is, he whispers something to her in the end. That's why I said that. Like, what? <laughs> this was a beautiful movie, just in terms of the relationship of two characters and how they um, build that relationship mm-hmm. over the course of the film. So, did you have anything to add to it? Do you know? Ryan's just giving me a thumbs up. <laughs> he's liking the movie. <laughs> nice. That's fair. Um, all right, Peter, number three. Number three on my list is Old Boy. Have either of you guys seen this movie or do you know about this movie? No. Okay, so this is uh, my only foreign (laughs) film on the list. I'm sure it's 2003. Yeah, I'm sure it's 2003. (laughs) So this this movie was a uh, Korean movie, um, which was remade in America in 2015, I think. And uh, Josh Brolin is the main star, but it originally was a uh, Korean action movie. And basically, I'm not going to give too much of the story away because there's a lot of twists and turns in it that I don't want to ruin. But the movie starts out with a man who gets kidnapped and uh, imprisoned in essentially what seems like a hotel room for about 15 years of his life. He has no idea why. So while he's in the hotel room, he 
spends his time uh, working out and he's given a plate of food like under the door or something every day. And he works out and he just works on his revenge plan of as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to find the guy who imprisoned me and figure it out. So over time, he ends up creating a tunnel to get out of his room. And the story just goes from there. He um, eventually he hunts down the restaurant that delivers food to the place that he was. Um, So he learns... I'm I'm missing some details because essentially what happens is when he gets out, he is um, either he's he's knocked unconscious somehow and he's transported somewhere else. So somebody is allowing him to be out, but they moved him. So he has to kind of unravel the mystery. So he hunts out. Oh, right. He hunts down the restaurant that serves the food that he was eating the whole time he's in there and learns where they deliver the, this food, and he finds the hotel that he was staying in. So he follows that uh, source, and he ends up finding the, essentially, warden at the prison. And from there, he tortures that guy to find, eventually, the guy who imprisoned him. Uh, the thing that I think draws most people to this movie is the action scenes. Like, there's one scene... If you want to say, like, the Netflix Daredevil show had an amazing hallway fight scene, you probably haven't seen Old Boy because this it has a hallway scene where he fights a bunch of, like, uh, evil henchmen sort of guys, and he has nothing but a hammer, and he just, like, brutally, like, beats the crap out of them. And I feel it's that, awesome I feel that way shot. with The Matrix and the movie Equilibrium. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in the ending of right the I'm like you if you see if you think you've seen martial mm-hmm. arts you've never seen yeah. them with guns. But so. um what's really cool is um it might be similar to Phone Booth and where the main character has this revenge planned and and then when he finds out exactly why he was imprisoned and what the whole story is everything kind of turns on itself and I don't I like I said I don't want to give too much away but the movie goes places you do not see coming but it's just like an awesome look at like i guess an emotional ride a person can take so cool yeah all right well (laughs) my number three is big fish (laughs) nice (laughs) (laughs) um so that's kind of funny that it uh jumped off your list but big fish uh directed by tim burton ewan mcgregor this movie is so charming Mm -hmm. it's I, I kind of it's basically the story of a guy's life and what I love about it is like it's so beautifully shot this movie won the Golden Globe for best picture um, so it kind of got snubbed at the Oscars like it wasn't even nominated which was weird but it got the mm-hmm. Golden Globe but the the movie is basically about a guy who like this son was all upset that his dad always told these big stories these tall tales if you will and then as you see all the flashbacks of the dad's life, it's all the fictional tall tales that the kid remembers. Yes. But then when you get to the end of the movie and you find out all the stories were real, yeah, the kid just perceived them backwards. Yeah. Like that's what made it really cool. Like the like, and it's just this dad. You know, he's just was a traveling salesman and told the stories, and the kid didn't believe it. And you know, yeah, it's such a beautiful movie. Um. Yeah, I feel like everyone has seen this movie, so I don't really know what else to say about it. It's, just it's go yeah, see it if you haven't, but it's really cool. It's um it's a good movie for like just seeing like the kid the main character's relationship with his dad 
and uh, not believing all these stories he's telling him and uh, basically having to come to terms with it and learn more about it as his dad's passing away. Um, but it just ends up being really powerful at the end. And I think it like, besides just that parental relationship, it also shows like a really good look at like someone's love of uh, storytelling, I guess, and right. how some people might not have time for it. But then when he finally learns what it all amounts to, it's really powerful. Um, the only other thing I'd have to say is like Tim Burton, like is a movie maker that I like some of his movies and some of them I really don't like, but this is like top notch Tim Burton, like doing something that looks not only looks cool, but is a great story. And, um, like I saw his most recent movie I saw of his was big eyes. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I have not seen that yet. So that's a very interesting story and like a really well done movie in the same way Big Fish is, where Brian's he's not... nodding his head. Have you seen this? He's, okay. he's not trying to... I know to, you're a big... I know you got a big crush on Amy Adams, so... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in both those movies, I feel like he's just focusing on making the best movie possible and not trying to do the Tim Burton spy, style, so to speak. Sure. Um, and that's just really cool to see, so... I mean, I can't speak highly enough of Big Fish. I think it's a great film, yeah. so... All right, well, moving on, because I feel like we're moving a little long. I think we feel like we're running a little long tonight. Uh, so, number two, Ryan, what do you got? Elf. Elf. <laughs> nice. This made my short list. Elf also made my short list. It's a great Christmas movie, and it's becoming... I think it's interesting that it's become like a cult Christmas classic yes. at this point. It's fallen into the category of Christmas classics that... You know, I mean, it's hysterical. I think my favorite sequence is... My favorite stuff in the movie is at the store. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, oh, yeah. especially like later when they come into the, after he's like decked out the store to look all good for the kids, like yeah. the big Lego towers and like all the like snowflakes cut out of paper <laughs> and stuff. And yeah. the manager's like, they sent in a professional that's, to do this. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Cause like, it's easy to watch the movie and say, Will Ferrell's the funniest part, but I gravitate towards straight men a lot. And that manager in that movie is so good. What's <laughs> his reaction to it? And then Will, Sp- Will Ferrell explaining to him, like he was explaining something about like he built it or something. And just the manager's reaction to that was just oh, so funny no. to watch. Was it the manager? No, it's when Zoe Deschanel says, she's like, um, she's like, oh, you did this? They're yeah. super pissed about mm-hmm. this. And then right then that's when the manager comes in. He's like, they must have sent in a professional. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So I think all our jobs are in jeopardy. I, 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 might, I might be thinking of when uh, Buddy the Elf first shows up at the store. And, oh, right. Uh, when he's telling the manager, like, who he is and stuff. And the manager just look like, he's just like, okay, okay, you freaking, like, you know, in his head, he's thinking, like, you freaking weirdo. But he's trying to hold it together. He's like, okay, okay. Like, there's, and, like, so many, there's so many one-liners that came out of it. Like when Will Ferrell realizes that's not the real Santa at the store and he's oh, like, yeah. you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> like you smell like beef and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's such a good movie. So mm-hmm. yeah. And John Definitely. Favreau directed who that's later goes saying. on and gives us Iron Man one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all right. So Peter, what was your second? So this one should your... be short. My second pick is Kill Bill volume one. So, we've uh, talked about it. Quite we've a talked bit, about but... it. Amazing movie. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. Um, moving on. My second movie, my number two pick, is a movie called Secondhand Lions. Oh, nice. You seen that one? Yes. Yeah, I like Ryan, this movie. Have you a seen lot. this movie? I don't know. You, Ryan, you would love this movie. So basically, so basically, this kid. This takes place like what? Maybe like early fifties. 
Like yeah, mid fifties, give or take. Yeah, I'd say that might definitely, be accurate. Definitely post war. I've seen them. You've seen this movie. Since yeah, it so. takes place on a farm, you don't think a lot about what year it is, but it's definitely, you know, previous to the yeah, yeah probably fifties. So the kid from 60s, so maybe. the kid from Haley Joel Osment who played the kid from uh, the kid Sense, who sees dead people. The kid who sees <laughs> dead people. His mom drops him off at his <laughs> uncle's house. And uh, they're on their farm, and she goes off, and she says she's going off to typewriter school. That's clearly not the case. She's basically abandoning the kid. Uh, but she leaves him with his uncles, and they're basically expected to raise him. And mm-hmm. throughout the story of it not just being a growth for the grand for the uncles as they get older, it's growing up for the kid. And one of the things I loved about the movie more than anything is one of the uncles. There's some he had like a lost love, like the one girl he fell in love with, the girl that meant the most to him. Um, he's always been kind of heartbroken about this, and eventually, the kid gets the other uncle to tell him the story, and mm-hmm. it's told in pieces. Yeah, and he talks about their time in the war, and then he meets this girl, and they fall in love, and then their adventure across the world. As yeah. they, you know, as they were growing up as brothers fighting in the war and doing their things and then meeting the Persian and then, you know, the, the, the escape and all that stuff. The whole time, you don't know if the story is true or not. Yeah. I was thinking is, it's, is, it's is a it, lot like Big Fish, maybe in right, that way. Where the uncle's just telling this kid a story and you as an audience member are left with, well, did this really happen? Mm-hmm. Like, or is this just a story he's telling the kid to tell him a story? And I don't want to ruin the movie. This is, right. you know, that's kind of spoiler territory to find out if the story is true or not. So if you want to know if it is, you got to see the movie. But yeah. it's such, it's such a charming movie. It's such a well-made movie, and it's a, it's really funny. Um, but you really do feel really good about yourself when you get done watching this movie. And I mean, if I remember correctly, the story of. Uh the uncle and his long lost love and all that, if I remember correctly, was kind of a like pretty action packed, like almost Indiana Jones. It was very action packed. It was very like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like Indiana Jones style. It's a good way of wording it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's that's it's a really good movie. So Secondhand Lions, by all means, check it out if you haven't seen it. So certainly. Um, so number one's final picks of the night. Sounds great. Uh, what do you got, Ryan? This is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. Of all time? So if we did a favorite movie of all time list, this would make the top five? or Yeah. All right. <laughs> Last Samurai. Oh, right on. Do you, Have you seen the movie? You didn't. You just kind of nodded. Um, I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> Peter. All right. Um, Th- this is my failure week. No, I think uh, when it came out, I was like, oh, cool, a samurai movie. And at the time, I was just like, oh, it's Tom Cruise. Meh. And just passed up on it. Even though I know I talked a couple weeks ago how I didn't mind Tom Cruise too much. But it just was, I, I don't know. I feel like Tom Cruise gets a weird rap because when I saw this, I was like, how is Tom Cruise going to be a samurai? I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. It, and I think without knowing the movie at first appearance, I was like, why is Tom Cruise playing an Asian guy? Kind of like Matt Damon <laughs> in The Great Wall. You're just like, what's going on here? <laughs> exactly. So, um, but no, I loved I loved Last Samurai once I finally sat down and watched it. It was such a good movie. Yeah. So... Peter, what's your number two? Uh, or my number one pick yeah, yeah, is one. Um, American Splendor. Mm-hmm. Are either of you guys familiar? Ryan yes. Seen it? Okay. So um, if you don't know, American Splendor was a, um American independent ca- uh, comic book that's basically an autobiographic... Autobiograph- 
autobiographical, there it is, story of uh, the writer Harvey Picar, who's kind of just this normal dude from Ohio who just works in a hospital, like working, uh, organizing files and stuff. And he, uh, he was friends with Robert Crumb, who, um, if you know anything about Robert Crumb, he's kind of this legendary illustrator who went on to become uh, really big in the underground comic scenes of, like, I want to say the 70s, maybe. And uh, he, w- he was just friends with this guy before he kind of started making his names in, co- in comics. But once he did, Harvey Picar is just kind of like, I could do this. And he kind of throws his hat into the ring and... Uh, starts writing comic books and then he had his friend Robert Crumb draw draw comics anyways just because of how real his stories are and kind of how relatable they were because they were just kind of the stories of a normal guy he ended up becoming just really like famous and well known off off of it to the point where he was doing guest appearances on uh you know the David Letterman show um and stuff like that I love this movie because a, it's about, like, comics, which I love, but it's also just a super relatable story about this guy. And I think just seeing his world and, like, living it in the, in the movie and how it's written is just really enjoyable. And it's hard to explain, but it, I think it's a lot with how the movie's written. Because um, it's, it's hard to describe because it sounds like such a mundane plot, but it's just... If this movie's on, I'll watch the whole thing. And I feel like I oh, could sure. watch it every day and never get bored. Yeah, um, no, I've seen it. It's a really good movie. So. And um, But you're just the... kind of gushing over it, and there's not much I can say that you haven't already. <laughs> yeah. So by all means, um, keep going. One of the other cool aspects is uh, the real-life Harvey P. Carr is in the movie. So the movie's half, like, documentary, half actual movie. So, like, the actual comic book artist and his wife are in the movie, and they talk about their story while uh, Paul Giamatti plays him in scenes reenacting his life. So it's just really good stuff, and I definitely recommend it. If you like that sort of indie slice-of-life vibe, like, this movie's awesome. So. Right. All right. I like the room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like what I've seen. I've seen most of it. It's just kind of in bits and pieces and stuff. So. Um, all right, well, my final pick, my number one, my favorite movie of the year was kill bill volume one <laughs> nice. <laughs> and again the movie's just fantastic like i said it's violent it's funny it makes you feel really good about yourself when you're done watching it and well if you're watching it with the right crowd it's, it's the best, <laughs> for sure it's such a good movie and there's one there's one thing that we haven't talked about kill bill and i want to bring up because i didn't think about it until just now there's one sequence in kill bill and this is on a filmmaking aspect. I love the script. I love the acting. I love the way it's shot. But there's one sequence in the movie that I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how they shot this scene. And it's a camera trick that has me oh, yes. baffled. There's a scene in the bar right before she battles the crazy 88s. Uh, Uma Thurman is sitting at the bar. And she gets up to go to the bathroom and then comes back. And it's right after this is done, the battle begins. Yeah. But the camera tracks her in a single shot around the bar, down the hall, and then to the bathroom. But you have to understand that when it goes down the hall and through doorways, it lifts up over walls and comes back down and sweeps through other doorways and follows her the whole way. And then when she gets in the stall to make a change, it looks like the camera breaks, but it doesn't. And then it tracks out another character like the same way backwards out. I 
there's no way to do that with a crane. Like you're you'd get caught up in the doorways. I don't understand how they kept the camera so yeah, fluid. Like... And every time I and I remember it's like a two minute shot. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there going, there's no break for two minutes. And I'm literally just bouncing on my seat going, and first time doing this, I'm like, how are they doing this? How are they doing this? And a friend of mine is sitting right next to me and he's doing the same thing. And we're just like, do you get this? Like, <laughs> how is this That's possible? Awesome. Um, it's so cool. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. Just because I can't figure out the camera trick. I mean, it's like they'd so. have to have, they, I don't know, like they might have had multiple cranes and handed the camera off to different people. It's just crazy. How they kept, how they it, kept the yeah. camera that steady in a handoff and maybe a gyroscope or something, whatever they did with the camera. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And I would that's one camera trick. If you break down all of Hollywood, if I could ask any filmmaker how they did <laughs> one thing, that's probably the one that I would ask. Nice. So I know enough about the making of Star Wars. Let's find out how Tarantino <laughs> did that one shot. You know what I mean? Awesome. So... Peter, that brings us to the end of 2003. We can now come back to the present. Do you have a list for next week? I did prepare a list from next week. So when I was looking at movies from 2003, there was a lot of really good ones, but there were some that weren't as good. And one of the noteworthy ones, which I actually haven't seen, but I've heard is really bad. No, it's not honey. (laughs) But I've heard it's really bad is uh, actually a movie about one of my favorite arcade games, which is House of the Dead. So... Like I said, I've never heard this, but I've heard like I've Have never you seen, seen it, the movie. But, no, I've never seen it, but I've heard it's wow. like notorious <laughs> for being so bad. But when I saw that, I kind of laughed to myself and I started thinking about other movies based off video games. So I thought, why not let's tackle that list next week? All right, that our means, top five movies based in a off week, video games. That means in a week, I gotta watch Assassin's Creed because in terms of recent <laughs> video game movies, I haven't watched that yet. So I'll try and get that in because I can <laughs> only, I can only vouch for movies I've seen. So we're doing uh, video game movies next week. Yeah, sounds good. Now House of the Dead, that came out <laughs> when that came out. I'm sitting in a film class and the teacher says, "For tomorrow morning, you got to see a movie and write a review." But try and see something you've never seen. And I remember going home and going, "Well, I guess I'm going to the theater because I don't know what to watch." And when I got to the theater, that was the only movie I had time to see. So I ended up having to write a review on House of the Dead. Great. <laughs> so, yeah, I've heard that the movie uses like footage from the game and tries to pass it off as footage of the movie or <laughs> something crazy like that. But yeah, is uh, there any like special rules to this, or it's just movies based on video um, games? I don't think so. I mean, I feel like movies like like a movie like Pixels, for example, wouldn't be included because it's about video games, but it's not based off a of video game. Oh yeah, so absolutely. No, I want to do specifically. And, and Ready Player based off One is a movie about a, technically a video game or a virtual world. It's not like based I, yeah, on I want an existing video. Yeah, game. an existing Super video Mario games. Brothers is a video game yes. and a movie. Yes, for sure. Of the worst examples i could have given but that's why i did it like you mentioned <laughs> yeah. tomb raider in an earlier episode that's based off of a movie yeah but, you know this will so. be a cool list too because a lot of movies based off video games uh tend to not be the greatest movies so it'll be interesting to see which ones we like <laughs> and what we like about them maybe it'll be like so this movie was all right but i really loved this concept or i really oh yeah sure do this so yeah all right well i'm gonna try and see assassin's creed before uh uh Next week. Nice. So that'll be my, I think that'll be my big homework to try and squeeze that in. So. Sweet. All right. Well, in that case, uh, we're closing out. Ryan, do you have anything to say, add, or whatever? Ryan's just giving me a thumbs up and says we're good. <laughs> so if you want to interact with the show, by all means, check out our website, top5report.com. If you'd like to email the show and send in your A, if you have a list suggestion or you want to send us a list that, um, 
your favorite 2003 movies or video game movies if you want. Uh, you can email us at top5report at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook uh, at top5report and follow us on Twitter at top5report. Like I said at the top of the show, we're officially on iTunes, so please go to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a five-star review because – or give us any review. Five stars <laughs> would be preferred, but any review to help us get our uh, score up because we're a baby podcast for iTunes. So with that being said, um, my name's Drew. I'm Peter. Peter. And Ryan's just waving it off. So everyone, <laughs> have a good night, and we'll see you next week. Bye.